0: Welcome to your Friday breakfast podcast with Capitalize. Public safety announcement at the beginning of this podcast today is that we're recording this on a Wednesday to accommodate the Jubilee public holiday in the UK. So if we've missed any groundbreaking developments in the news over the last few days, we'll pick them up in the next pod. As always, I'm joined by Kirsty McGregor from the Corporate Finance Network. Good afternoon, Kirsty. How are you?
1: Hi, Alex. Hi, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. It's all a little bit weird doing this on a Wednesday.
0: It is a little bit strange. I think we're all a bit upside down this week. Um, Obviously, for us in South Africa, no public holiday. So long, normal week for us. We'll be holding up the fort. But um, I can see the excitement from everybody I'm speaking to in the UK around having a nice long weekend and uh, getting a bit of sunshine, hopefully. Hopefully. But um, as normal, we're back with another three cracking news stories this week. And there's some continuation of previous themes that we've been through. Um, but first, we had another killer interview last week with Claire and Chantal from Baby Ballet. Um, it was yourself and Ollie Maitland that did it, Kirsty. What, uh, what did you enjoy most about that conversation?
1: Uh, well, first, I've known Claire for getting over 20 years now, so that was quite nice. Um, but um, I've known the business as well since it started, and it's been fantastic to witness how it's grown. But it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster, that that uh, interview, because... We did have to go through the awful lows of the impact of the pandemic and fair play to them. They survived. They took some drastic measures. They were brave enough to take some difficult decisions. Uh, and now their growth plans are back on course. So That's really exciting. So it is a it's a case of strap yourself in and, and get a cup of tea and listen to the whole thing from beginning to end. But otherwise, you'll you come way feeling a bit depressed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to ride the roller coaster with this. Ride one. all the way
1: through this um, one. Yeah, yeah. But it is a
0: great story about the hardship of starting and running a small business. I think, you know, to, to support a lot of the messaging that we've talked about around the importance of an advisor. And advisors take many shapes and forms. In um, this one, it's the finance director. Um, but it's a really good example of how important it is to have somebody keeping an eye on the numbers and have someone there to advise you throughout the journey as well. Yeah. Totally. And it ties in quite nicely to the first story um for us this week Kirsty but I know before that there's a little shout out you wanted to give oh a bit of a um, stop press
1: announcement yeah there is um it was announced this week last night actually Tuesday evening that Bradford in West Yorkshire has been announced as the next UK city of culture and um, they plan this quite way ahead it doesn't start till 2025 of course Coventry is the current one at the moment a whole before that which is quite um, a successful one Um, So this should be a welcome boost for businesses in the local area. And the reason I'm quite excited about it is that my daughter swims for the city of Bradford Swimming Club. So I'm sure there'll be some things around the sporting side of of the events as Mm. well as the cultural side. So yeah, I think it should be great for businesses in the local area as well. So well done to Bradford.
0: There was a lot of competition.
1: Yeah, yeah well like there was the a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of competition there, they were up against the county Durant, which looked amazing one actually wrexham which would have been in the first in wales the first uk city of culture in wales and also southampton which obviously with all its marina and everything would have been yeah. interesting so a lot of competition for that so well done bradford the youngest city um in terms of population age in the uk and obviously very diverse and lots. lot of things going on how are bronte sisters and national media museum and there's lots to learn about bradford so i'm actually up to bradford
0: for the first yeah. time in a couple of weeks so obviously it will be ahead of the the um anointment of them becoming the cultural yeah. capital but yeah. um i guess it'll be an interesting
1: i'll take you out for a curry exercise. alex we'll
0: <laughs> yeah, i'm only up for a few hours it's a short trip
1: to whack, anyway my first real story is from the guardian Um, which um, is reporting uh, the Federation of Small Businesses' concern about these high energy costs being uh, a ticking time bomb for businesses. And um, I don't know if anybody follows my Twitter feed, but in the week, uh, last week, where we were expecting the Chancellor was going to announce some measures for consumers, uh, which he did. I said on my uh, tweets that if he doesn't announce something for businesses, there's going to be an uproar. And he didn't announce something, and there has been an uproar. So, um, of course, businesses aren't uh, protected by an energy cap or any any of these um, supports. And and that's what the, gov- the, uh, the Guardian are covering, um, the FSB's concerns. And I suppose the, there does come a point where are we the nanny state um, now? Or are we expecting businesses to do so much um sorry are we expecting the government to do so much for businesses since they put all that support in for the pandemic so there's you know lots of whys and wherefores um but at the moment chancellor hasn't jumped um mm. uh, i still think he might i don't think he'll he'll manage to continue this all the way through to the end of the year so uh, we shall see
0: but it's it's tough i think you talk about the nanny state there and i you know I'm a firm believer there has to be a degree of natural attrition in business. You know, not every business can survive. Some businesses have to fail in order for others to be successful. Um, But I think, you know, we are in some really quite extraordinary times at the moment. And actually, when businesses are are failing or unable to survive purely based on, you know, measures that are outside of their control, I think it is really, really difficult. You know, I think if, if businesses make bad decisions and are poorly run, know they will go out of business but actually when the cost of operating is so severe that you know you can't actually maintain a profit or your um you know your gp completely disappears it it becomes very very difficult and we've spoken about it in in the different guises over recent pods um but you know i think i look at it from a south african perspective and the price of gas in south africa has gone up by nearly 50 percent so you know when i used to fill my car up for less than 15 rand um, per litre now it's up to twenty one, twenty two. so that's a huge huge hike mm-hmm. um, and the implication for businesses off the back of that is is massive you know you talk about rising energy costs if you've got you know deliveries you've got drivers out on the roads you've got people visiting clients the cost of servicing those has gone up a huge amount and yeah. um, you know if you look at it from a purely personal perspective with the cost of of operating having gone up cost of living is also going up for employees and we're unlikely to get pay rises bonuses etc so um, it's a really, really difficult. Um, you know, it's a difficult time. I think we've just all got to kind of keep pulling together. Continue. I think I spoke about this in, a, in one of our early podcasts around the South African drive of supporting local and and you know to really South Africanize it. Local being lekker. Um, you know, I think it's we've just got to keep keep driving that forward. You know, go to your favorite coffee shop, go and have a drink at your local pub, try and buy something at the local corner store. Um, you know, just really keep putting whatever you can afford to back into local businesses because it's it's t- it's tough out there and that feeds quite quite um, nicely into our second story that you've pulled up for this week as well Kirsty which is around cash flow squeeze
1: yeah so this was a survey by premium credit which has been covered by city am um, and they're talking about SMEs suffering because of late payment of their invoices which has become a bigger issue in the past 12 months Um they're saying that 24 percent of SME owners and managers say that delays in the payment of their invoices has got worse in the past year and 5% saying it has become much worse. And they are saying in this article, uh, well, they would because it's sponsored by premium credit, that uh, one impact of of lack of cash flow is that something such as um, an insurance premium can no longer be paid annually by businesses and they are having to pay it monthly. And of course that will come with an added cost as any um, as any financing really does, and here's an exclusive for the podcast just out just out in the last twenty four hours is um, are the May results of the Corporate Finance Network and the ACCA tracker SME tracker that we do. And we ask um, we ask accountants in practice some questions, and we also ask accountants in industry in companies some questions. And we um, surveyed forty eight accountants this time. Um, And we asked them if they were increasing the credit checks on their customers. Are they tightening up their need for credit control and managing their own internal working capital? And not surprisingly, I suspect 32% of them have increased their level of credit checks. Now, this is obviously something very close to our heart. to capitalize credit scores and the importance of them um, are absolutely essential, as is Mm. credit control and debt recovery and, of course, getting all your funding Right, whether that's internal or external. So, yeah, the situation is not getting any better, and Mm. advisors really can can help their business clients really um, tighten up the credit control, look at the debt recovery, look at the credit improvement, uh, and funding if necessary from external sources.
0: And it shows how in sync we are, Kirsty, because I had no idea you were going to pull that little expose out and uh, release some uh, hot off the press statistics there. But one of the things I was actually thinking when I was reading this article is a. You know The obvious thing there is that cash flow squeeze is a real problem at the moment. The the impact Mm -hmm. of late payments has a hugely dangerous knock on effect for businesses and um, as a result, the economy. But I was actually also going to start thinking about what does this mean for our accounting partners? What does this mean for accountants generally? And what opportunities does this present for them in how they adjust and change the way they work with their clients, whether it's looking at you know tighter scrutiny on credit processes but also you know I think a big thing here to be thinking about is what safety measures have you got in place to identify risks in your client businesses um, around things like aging or already delinquent debtor books how are you supporting and working with your clients to manage these processes for them to perhaps completely change their supply terms um, you know to really kind of Um, And prevent this sort of stuff from happening in the future. And there's a whole bunch of other ways that you can look at um, managing and working with your clients around these topics, but it's a really, really great value add, because I think, um, as everybody is suffering more and more with increased costs, they've got less disposable income within the business it's going to become, you know, more and more important to, to make sure that those payment terms are as, as short as yeah. possible. But we've had two relatively, you know, upsetting, <laughs> worrying news stories to, to begin with. Um, but actually, I think the third one that we've picked is, you know, is a really, really positive spin. And it's something that if it continues on the right trend will actually impact the first two, the first two stories as well.
1: It will. So this is thank goodness. um, Shanghai and Beijing are announcing the release of their lockdown restrictions due to their latest um, pandemic uh, wave of COVID, and this has had a massive impact across the whole country. If you've seen the photographs of of the the tankers all lined up outside the Shanghai ports, as they've just had to restrict so much the the um, capacity and the ability of those cities to operate, Um, and it does have an impact across the whole world then doesn't it there's it's you know, such an important economy um, yeah, see, and hopefully so. if they do release these lockdowns restrictions which they have done now um they are going to and, and this continues we can start to smooth out some of these big supply issues which is which is another reason why inflation is going up and 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 um you know problem prices are going up for businesses the um the Chinese government have also introduced lots of new economic support for businesses to support them so hopefully that is a positive and then also keeping on the Chinese theme, um, I, I do try and, and keep my hand in as to what's going on in developments of tech and, and new industries and things. And, and the, the Forbes 30 Under 30 um, series is always a good read. And this particular one I've pulled out is uh, focusing on um, Asia. In fact, this particular um, entrepreneur is from China. Um, I do just think it's really good to keep an eye on what's coming next. Um as, you know, I'm like decades and decades older than you, Alex, so I have to still try and work hard to keep up <laughs> with everything. So, Keeping so up this, with the Joneses. <laughs> trying to keep up with the kids, not the Joneses. So um, this particular article talks about um, different apps and, and new tech, consumer tech in particular, that's been developed uh, by the young entrepreneurs over in China, uh, whether it's education technology, whether it's dating technology, or whether it's metaphors-based. And this particular uh, entrepreneur, uh, Risa Feng, 27-year-old, interested me. She co-founded Bud in 2019, which she says was to enhance the social experiences in the metaverse. But now I have to really think hard now about what does this look like? I don't use the metaverse yet. Uh, So it's a free app, right, where users can create and exchange 3D content, such as avatars and objects, just by dragging and dropping. Okay, I get dragging and dropping. I'm keeping up. Um, they can also make friends and chat with each other and start online battles and a recently added survivor mode. So now I'm thinking about what my my lads do when they're gaming. So I'm like, okay, I'm following this, I'm following this. But here we go. This app was downloaded 12 and a half million times already. And this is what she says, which I thought was absolutely spot on. From text to pictures and then to videos, every generation has its preferred medium. So why can't three D interactive content become the next mainstream media platform for the next generation? So really cool stuff to read about in that Forbes article. Something to impress your kids with, uh, if not if not the Joneses. Uh,
0: but yeah, yeah. it's
1: fascinating. I love it.
0: No, I, I think um, you know. I must admit, I'm not uh, particularly up to date with the metaverse, NFTs, and all of these recent trends. Alex,
1: you're um, a kid. Why not?
0: I know, <laughs> I know. I don't know what it is, but I, maybe I. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit intimidated. You get it old, it. You're getting, getting
1: old, lad. You're getting old. I
0: hit thirty recently, so maybe I'm 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 over the hill now. But I, I do like to see the entrepreneurship and all of this. And I think when I read this article, I was thinking about the film Ready Player One. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh-huh. And it's like a metaverse style uh, okay. film. But I always think it's kind of like the first stage to perhaps living, you know, living forever, albeit in a virtual world. You know, I'm thinking now yeah. of people being like cryogenically frozen, <sighs> but plugged into this like alternate reality. So interesting, interesting evolutions there. But I did want to pick up quickly on the relaxation of lockdown that you were talking about um, yeah. in China, because I think you know production has started again today, or by the time people you know listen to this on Friday, it would have started earlier in the week, which does. Um, you know, represent a huge uh, boost for the supply chain. Um, And I was looking at it from a slightly different perspective in there that I think actually it's quite nice to see, you know, if we look back to that first article we were talking about, um, you know, the lack of support for businesses, I thought this was quite a nice contrast where Mm. the Chinese government has really put in, if you read the article, a whole Mm, host of measures here around supporting businesses, relaunching, um, you know, the Shanghai economic area and really driving development um for businesses and also property um in there so it was really quite an interesting contrast in story 1 to 3 um my own personal favorite being that they're encouraging everybody or anyone that does to switch over to an electric car with the um uh the 1500 subsidy yes. to do so i just thought it was yeah. quite quite a nice um, change yeah. and i think it's a really fitting time we I mean, have that
1: we have that in the uk actually we it's not straightly for the it's for the uh, charging points you get a grant yeah. towards the charging point at yow's and yeah.
0: i think for a business there's some tax efficiencies i mean i, I don't know i'm just remember yeah. speaking to my dad about it there are some tax tax benefits for it, which i think is cool but yeah. I, I was thinking about this from a you know from the experience i've had in the last week or so um and the supply chain challenges because you know in the last 24 hours alone we've had three uh, businesses come and speak directly to us in South Africa around trade finance and looking to, ha- to you know change the way and, and improve the way they're using credit when Brilliant. they're working on the supply chain challenges in, yeah. in in South Africa to China. So an interesting evolution there and a nice positive upturn for us to finish on. And yeah. um, very much in the same way that you didn't let me know that you were going to reduce or, or release some sneaky facts in the middle. I've kept you completely in the dark with my you story. You have. I'm just looking at so... a single line here. I don't know what What's coming next. <laughs> so, I'm going to start off by asking you a question. It's not a trick question, and um I'll give you it to in two parts. So, the first part is: What do you get if you mix 160 eggs and eight kilograms of dark chocolate? I can see by the look on your face, Kirsty, you're never <laughs> going to get this. I'll give you a cl- in 15 kilograms of orange jelly. It's going to be some sure. sort of
1: chocolate bar, hasn't it?
0: Well, that's a very, very good piece of deduction. Obviously, orange jelly, dark chocolate, and eggs—the world's largest ever jaffa cake. Jaffa cakes. <laughs> so, oh. <the> <laughs> big old, big old, and it is officially a cake. I think jaffa cake have have gone. Oh, there's to, a whole bat, bat, bat that. rolls
1: around. Yeah, but the um,
0: The story for them. me this week is that the world's largest ever jaffa cake, weighing eighty kilograms oh. and nearly two meters wide, was created by a, a former Great British Bake Off winner, um, and. Just to give you some some uh, context on the size of this, the giant cake is the equivalent of six and a half thousand regular sized jaffa cakes.
1: Oh God, that just sounds too sickly for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not quite my cup of tea, um, but uh, I thought it was an interesting um, an interesting. Thing who who for some knew people
1: of... had enough time to do things like well, that? Well, it their was life. done
0: in conjunction with McVities, who make. Um, I hope it was done for charity as well I don't know I think it's a Guinness World Record whatever it is I mean I can't imagine there's a huge amount of competition in that space but that was my fun story for the week I thought I'd try and lift the mood after a couple of um a couple of stories but um For those of you uh, who are new to um, Capitalise and haven't listened to our podcast before, a quick reminder of who we are and what we do. Um, But very simply, our vision is to give small businesses and their advisors transparency and control over business finance. We want every small business to be able to identify risks that they might face, explore how they stand from a credit perspective, and choose the right funding options that fit their business, ideally in conjunction with their advisor. Now, don't forget to rate and review the podcast, and of course, subscribe. Um, I've seen the number of ratings go up in the last couple of weeks so those of you that have rated us well done those of you that haven't come on get your finger out let's get on it Um, and make sure you subscribe again as I said otherwise you're going to miss the stuff that's coming hot off the press every single week now talking about hot off the press next Friday we've also got another interview um, and this one is with Paul Collins one of the um, largest local enterprise partnerships in the country The Leeds City region, Leeds City region. Can tell it's coming up to a long weekend for somebody, unfortunately, not me. Um, And that's coming out on Friday. Kirsty, you ran the interview with Paul. Um, I've not yet listened to it. I will uh, make sure that I get up to speed before our next week um, breakfast. But just um, tell me, importantly, and the listeners out there, what they can expect and what you found interesting and enjoyable about this week's interview or next week's interview.
1: Yeah, it was a great one. Uh, the LEPs in England and Wales are part private, part public funded um, institutions, I suppose, that that work alongside businesses and professionals in the local communities to try and identify uh, what the needs are and provide grants and advice. And um, they're going through a little bit of a shake up in the next 12 months, because the uh, UK government, the Chancellor, has decided that he's going to Uh, pass more of the money under the levelling up uh, regime that they want to to push out around the country. He's going to pass more of the money directly to local authorities and not to the LEPs themselves. So because of these funding changes, we've only really got about 12 months left of the funds that are already there. Uh, So I wanted Paul to shine a spotlight on what he does. And it's wider than you might think. It will probably impact far more of your clients than you might think or help your clients because you're able to, to... find grants for um, specialist expertise for example if a business wants to become more energy efficient which at the moment let's face it all businesses need to um, not just for net zero but just to mm. reduce their costs uh, then they can get some grant funding for a specialist to go in and uh, review their business and then if they do also want to bring in some some tech or plant and equipment which will help support that then there are also funds available for that so um, I thought it was just you know really worth Having to think about LEPs and, and how your clients might be able to use them over the next 12 months before we lose them um, and the and the money all gets distributed in other ways out to local authorities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounds like a brilliant, brilliant podcast. And I think going back to the beginning point of, you know, the Chancellor not necessarily doing a huge amount for businesses in his recent speech, um, I think, you know, as an accountant, as an advisor, as a business owner. You know, we've now really got to look far and wide for other sources and other supporting mechanisms. There, yeah, to help there's money there that's not being
1: spent. So let's use it. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So, this is a really good one, guys. Tune in next week. Make sure you don't miss it. If you do um, happen to not be able to, available next week, Friday, to listen to it hot off the press, it will be there for you to look at, as are all of our other podcasts in our catalog of, of interviews. You can go to Spotify or whatever, uh, whatever other means you get your podcast from, and you'll be able to go and kind of look at all of our previous episodes. So, don't forget to tune in next week if you want to find out more about capitalize if you want to go and have a little a little bit more of a look at the future positive podcast go and check out our website at www.capitalize.com and once again thanks for tuning in today thank you for listening we'll be back in two weeks um Kirsty have a lovely long weekend and I'm sure I'll catch up with you when you're back on Monday Uh, but thanks for joining me today
1: great thanks Alex bye